Welcome back, Jeff Disher, uh, with another episode of There's a Difference. As you guys know, what I do is I uh, love bringing people in that uh, are game changers, that make a difference in their profession or just in the world in general. And uh, guest today, I've known her for a long time, a very long time. She's an attorney, and I've known her before she was an attorney, as she was just past her bar and uh, was starting her practice. So she started off, we'll get into it in a minute, but Without further ado, I want to introduce Deanne Arthur, and she is a family uh, law attorney here in San Diego. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm oh, really thanks for coming. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I could pull you away from all the big news channels. <laughs> well, you know, I, as you know, with the world kind of shut down, you know, things are really slowing down. And then even with these news channels, they're, you know, doing stuff from their house and having people come on. But are they? The, real, the big stories aren't there. You know, there's nothing to really talk about there's nothing that's nobody's out court. well you don't have courthouse stories right yeah. you don't have big cases that are coming out you don't have lawsuits coming out you don't have family law issues that are making the news the so. biggest thing i've seen recently was those the protest right in front of the courts and stuff yeah well because people want to get things back to normal I know. and people have constitutional rights right so they have constitutional rights to be able to be heard in court but they have to balance it out with the the everybody's health and the state of this coronavirus. But and when the court shut down, it shut down without any notice or ways to do things in a different way. No guidelines, no like path, no. nothing. It was like boom, okay, we don't know what we're gonna do from here. But day by day, it's something different. They're announcing releases um, every day or every week about things that they're gonna do differently. But the thing that's hard is in 2020, you would think that we would have better systems of being able to do video appearances or mm -hmm. you know um, e-filing you know electronic filing stuff but right now as it stands we just have nothing oh I'm gonna be honest the last time I was in the courts they were archaic that's what I understand like it's all old school I mean I know there's two new courtroom or buildings now and they're building that work on that last one but that's what I don't understand you would think that they'd be like super advanced and they're not their payment systems their computers are old um, I was another uh, one of this guy Jake Tiffany stopped by the office yesterday and he had taken a call as we were all talking he's like oh it's an attorney friend of mine but she works for like the the state or the city or something she was saying she's stressed out she's so pissed that attorneys are yelling at her because she's saying they're so backlogged and she goes back when 9-11 uh, hit she was back working for the uh, for the the city or whatever the state mm -hmm. and she said that 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 they were only shut down for like a week or two and it backlogged them like six to eight months of like stuff they had to catch up on. And, oh yeah. she, and she goes, this might be years. This you, can, you can't even imagine, because they're not even accepting filings. We can't even have filings um, stack up. We have to keep it all. We have to, oh no, it's going to be floodgates opening. So every attorney right now is stacking cases. Oh yeah, they're not accepting anything. The only thing that they're accepting, to my knowledge, at least based on the family law um, area, is restraining orders because you have to at least be able to protect mm. um, you know, domestic violence victims. But they're accepting those, but you can't file anything. You can't even file um, stipulated agreements, meaning that if two parties agree, if they agree how they want to do child custody, they're not even accepting that. So the backlog is going to be crazy. The court dates that have been missed people already have court dates that have been set months in advance those court dates have all gone by so now they're having to reset them reset them mm. and then about the new people that come in i mean you could come into court feasibly and not get a court date till seven or eight months out if you're lucky if you're just and the that's first like person all standing in the door. areas of law yeah well they're gonna have to deal with criminal first so 
criminal, you have a right to a speedy trial. Family law, you don't have the same rights. You have a right to be heard faster in, when it's a domestic violence case, but you don't have the same rights as criminal. Criminal, they're going to have to do something about it. So right now, and we're just going to be all over the place, there's no real order to the show, um, but I just have questions off top. So like right now, if, if a husband and wife decide to separate, but they have to figure out all the financial and everything, and they're not agreeable, like typically you would talk to them, but you guys set a court date, you go to court, you hash it out. Right now, if a couple comes to you and says, hey, this is not working, I don't want to be with this guy anymore, but he, I've been a stay-at-home wife and mother to my children, and now we're separating, he doesn't want to pay anything, and, and, there's, and he doesn't want to, he wants to take the children, he won't get the children back, all the, how do you guys go, do they literally have to wait eight to nine months to figure this out? Well, the beauty about family law is we don't actually always have to be in court. Okay. So that's why my business is still up and running and still going because that we have mediation. California is already a what they call a recommending state, meaning that before the court makes any custody orders, they want a recommendation from a licensed counselor of what they think that the court should do. And then the court can do anything they want, but the court necessarily wants to use resources to say, we only have maybe a 20 minute um, time slot for you to come in, maybe an hour if it's um, a long cause, but sit down for several hours with a counselor, let them get the backstory, then give us the backstory and we'll give a recommendation. So now we're piggybacking on that now saying, hey look, even if the courts were open, we would have to try to mediate this anyway. So let's try to mediate this outside of court, given that the court isn't open. The problem is that we just don't have any teeth. So mm. if things get real contentious, they can't say, all right, then I'll see you in court. You can't really have can't that. do that. <laughs> It'll be like, I'll see you in court in a year. You know, you That's don't have it. that. So, but I still try to tell my clients, even before the court closure, I used to always say, when they come into my office, do as much as you can, because you know 100% of your story. I'm going to know as much as you give me, the judge is going to know next to nothing. Mm. So if we can work things out amongst ourselves easier, let's do that. Rather than the judge that may have had a bad day, that's tired, wants to go home to their kids, rather than doing all of that, let's give get as much done as we can before we put it into the judge that may not have the patience for it. So now I'm telling clients, let's just do private mediation. So the court order mediation isn't open, but we can do private mediation. And mediators have been so kind to reduce their fees um, because if they want to help, you know, and other lawyers want to be able to get these cases moving. Because as a family law community, we do not want to have the backlog. So we're trying to work together. I mean, there's always lawyers out there that are jerks. And, and That's what I was going to ask you. So yeah. like if both people are amicable to having a conversation, if you just say you represent the wife and just say another attorney represents the husband, they're not getting along. Are you allowed legally to call that of their attorney and you guys can say, hey, here's the deal. We know this is not going to get taken over. Get your client under control. I'll get my client under control. I'll talk to them. Let's just try to get this done between us and then we could just put it into motion. Mm -hmm. And besides, before, unless you have, a, like you said, a sharp, a super attorney on the other side, it's like, I'm not doing this. But if you guys talk it out and you guys, can you, is that considered mediation almost? If you two hash it out and just kind of come to terms, like you, you guys talk about it, you go back to your client, you get them to agree, they agree, and then you just put the paperwork together. Does that work? Yeah, not only is it not, it not only is it legal, but it's, um, the, the judges encourage us to do it. Sometimes, because they have so many cases, the court will say, hey, can you guys try to work this out? Can, they always say there's a term called meet and confer. And some cases it's required that you meet and confer before you come into court, and judges always say, can you guys go outside and meet and confer, or they would really be pleased if, they, if we meet and confer beforehand. So knowing that, knowing that we have tons of clients, but we see these same judges all the time. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep a good rapport with the judges. So I don't want to come in there and say, I'm, no, I've never talked to that attorney before, but this is what I want. So I call up, just like you said, I call up the attorney ahead of time and say, hey, look, 
off the record, this is my client's position. What's your client's position? What is it that your client really wants? Let's see what we can do. Let's get to some middle ground. Because in divorce, it's not like criminal where you have a guilty, not guilty, right? In divorce, nobody really walks away totally happy. It's mm -hmm. whoever didn't lose the most, right? Somebody walks away with, okay, I can live with it. So I always tell my clients, what can you live with and what can you not? Not what do you have to have, it's what can you live with and what can you not? And sometimes with custody issues, there's things that you can't live with, but it's always a give and take. And also, you don't want to be in a position as attorneys to always put gas on something that maybe you could have um, dimmed the fire without mm -hmm. that, right? Because I always tell my clients that when I'm gone, you still have to deal with this other person or you still have to deal with these issues. So I don't want to create a big fight for you and then just leave because then I didn't actually do my job. I didn't really resolve this for you. So and going back to what you said, I just call the attorney. Sometimes we have also what you call a three-way sit-down or a four-way sit-down where we'll just sit down in each other's conference room. Mm. And if the clients are amicable enough, if, if there's not a DV issue, we'll all sit down and just be upfront with each other because there's nothing that wastes the court's time more is lies. So misrepresentations of getting to court and saying, well, I didn't know that, or the attorney didn't tell me that, or that other client um, misrepresented that. If we try to get all of that dirty stuff done right away, the best thing to do is to come into court and say, Your Honor, we've reached a full stipulation and we're just filing it. And the mm. judges will love you forever. They love it. They're yeah. going to take your files more. Yeah. Um, what, well, I would only imagine because I've heard sad stories. Not, I mean, it's sad. I think it's sad where the, the people would have like a net worth of like a million bucks and they're just not getting along. At the end of the trial, they're like net zero. Yeah. I the, mean, like the attorneys got paid. You. Yeah. And all of a sudden it gets to the point where the attorneys just stop working because there's no more money left on either side. They've been so and they went through a million bucks just on attorney yeah. fees and just bullshit. I do try to tell my clients because as is a um, private practice, it's word of mouth. Right. So I don't like to turn and burn. I don't want my client. I don't want to take all their money and then just say, well, I didn't really get anything from it because then I'm not getting clients from that person. Um, and I want them to walk away as happy as they can. So I will always tell them, you're coming up to a time where you've spent X amount of dollars fighting over a small issue. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll even waive fees towards the end to say, if we can get this resolved, you know, the stuff that is built up, I'll waive if, if, if we can get this resolved. Not so much to coerce them into doing it, but to give them a reality check of, do you want to keep It's actually best this? for them. It's yes. like, dude, at the end of the day, the quicker that we can do this and, and literally let's just put it all on the table divide it up the way we think is at least fair on everybody's ground because if not we can go back we can more end up hurting ourselves and losing and being a, we're obviously going to separate so are we going to separate with the most and the best in our favor or are and we going to imagine kids imagine the kids all the money too. taken away from the kids college their private school and a lot of and a big thing that people don't realize when they originally just jump out there with divorce the court likes to keep status quo, and this is what it hurts people financially. So if status quo was that you had a husband or a wife that would stay at home and you were paying all the bills, you file for divorce, there's immediately called advanced temporary restraining orders that go into place the minute you file and the minute that that summons comes out. And that means that you can't stop paying whatever you're paying. There could be um, a move-out order. There could be cheating. California's a no-fault divorce state, so it doesn't matter why you're divorcing. But if, let's say, Jeff, you're married to the, uh, a, a woman that you know, you're paying all the bills, you have to move out. Let's say she was cheating. You have to move out. You're in the right. She's in the wrong. You have to continue to pay all of her bills and your own. So now you have to rent a place. You have your own utilities. So you're paying two households. And then what if this case drags out for two years? And you've done that for two years. That's how you, and then you have attorney's fees. That's how people end up with nothing at the very end. Thank you for confirming why I'm not married. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you for that. You just uh, always have to think the whole time during your marriage, like, should I pay this? I love her, but I don't want to keep paying this. I if know I don't. that's the problem, and you yeah. and you have to like balance that. And some people just jump into stuff. And we already we kind of talked before the show, but we're not going to get into the whole prenup and all that crap. But yeah. um, let me ask you this: with this whole coronavirus, obviously it's affecting everybody. Um, in terms of like family law and obviously separation of divorce, what do you see the biggest challenges right now with all these restrictions? The biggest challenge that I've run into is custody. People who are already a little bit contentious mm. with custody and visitation, you throw corona in and you have people who may have not already been acting on the up and up and now corona is a tool that they can use to say, well, I don't want you seeing the child at all anyway. I had, unfortunately, I had, had a case that we had gone to trial. It was a three-day trial. One, I mean, my client was in tears. He ended up having, he started off with supervised visitation, walked out of the courtroom with 50-50 because the judge found mother to be not credible and all this and realized that mother had withholding issues. The day before court closed, mom filed a bogus restraining order to get temporary no visitation. The facts were no. not even were not um, true at all. There was a thankfully there was a police report that totally contradicted mom's facts, but I couldn't do anything about it because the court closed the day of. She literally got in, and so now dad, who is in tears just about being able to see his son again, now all of a sudden has to go back to not seeing his son. And then we didn't know when the court was going to open. So he went three weeks and then I had, there was nothing I could do. So he's coming to me. So I have clients saying, you're my lawyer. I need you to fix this. But I have no recourse because of the only people that can help us in something that's that contentious where I can't mediate, you know, the, the parties are, you know, locking horns. I need the court. So all I could do in that situation was, was we had to wait. Thankfully, the court opened up for um, ex-parties, which are um, emergency hearings, just to deal with um, imminent harm to the children. And it was a crapshoot because I would have to argue that the, 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 the judge would have to decide that it was imminent harm to the child to not see that parent. And so mom was saying, well, with Corona, I don't even want that. So that's how she used Corona, inappropriately using Corona, saying, even if you let him have visitation, I don't want the child going back and forth because I don't know if he could be exposed to Corona. Thankfully, the court heard that one and granted that, but there, and granted basically made, um, allowed him to have his child again, but there's other ones that aren't. There's a, and because that case, because it had been before the judge and we'd been to trial, the judge knew the facts. But imagine new cases that are being tried or that are being filed and the court hasn't heard any facts about it and they can't make any emergency decisions. And because of the way everything's so sensitive right now with this corona thing, like people, the obviously six foot rules and the no contact and yeah. the... They don't, so they're like, stay where orders. you're at for now until we figure it out. And yeah. we're like, well, I want to see my kid. You're like, no, I'm sorry, but everyone stay where you're at so we don't, you know, start spreading. And people are using it to violate orders, even though it's basically saying all orders should stay in place, but they're saying, no, there's a stay away. We can't even exchange the child because we have to stay six feet apart, and I'm not going to have the child walk six feet by themselves. So they're using that a lot, and I have no recourse. Mm. I can't go into court and say, you know, that they're violating um, the orders and uh, law enforcement don't enforce family law orders. So we just have to wait. So those ones are really tough, especially clients that I've had for a long time. It's really tough to deal with the emotion of them not being able to see their child at all. And I don't just mean not having visitation, not talk to them, not know where they see, are. See, the problem is when there's emotions like that involved with family, they don't understand like the actual law. You know what I mean? Right. They're just like, I w no, I want, that's my child. Exactly. I love him, I wanna see that person, but they're like, well, there's steps and all this other stuff. Yeah. What, um, if you, so, okay, so right now in, say today with everything that you know that's going on, if you had to give some advice um, or tips to a couple that aren't getting along and they're literally at the tipping point where they can't get through this, like we need to separate now, what would you, what would you say to them? I would say mediation is your best bet. 
say that you have recourse. Let's sit down with a licensed um, counsel, with a licensed mediator, and let's see what we can work out now. And I would always say, put your child first. You know, you're not doing your child any favors by just digging in your heels and saying, well, I have physical custody, so I'm going to keep them. And, and that's a bad thing. So that's another thing with corona and no court orders. It's literally possession is everything. So if you have no court order, if you've never been to court and you decide to separate and we're in Corona and you can't file, you can just keep the child and you're, there's nothing that the other side can do because there's no orders. They can't even try to go to law enforcement and say, but I have these court orders. It's just, well, she has them. We can't force them to do anything. The court has no jurisdiction. Oh, no. So you can, so the people are worse off with court with no court orders and who get in big arguments and live separately than they can just withhold altogether. And, you know, it sounds frivolous, but to be able to say, you're going to be in trouble when the court opens, you know, they're like, yeah, sure, okay, yeah. you know, get to me then. So people don't really care about that right now. But in all honesty, withholding is a terrible thing, and the courts will, um, they really look down upon that, and they will reprimand that parent that's done it. But, you know, what do they do in the meantime? But and here's another thing that the court has to consider. Even if a court says, mom or dad, you have unreasonably withheld this child. They should have had visitation during this whole corona thing. So sometimes the recourse is, is a change of custody. But they, they have to consider this child who may be four, five, three, whatever, now has only known being around that person. So you can't just totally uproot that child. Mm. So they have to slowly do that so the other parent won't have immediate remedy right away because there's so many moving parts that they have to think so about. So if a parent has a child and they're trying to think like, oh, it's corona, you're not doing anything, and they take it and actually come back and bite them in the ass because yeah. they can say, oh, I'm taking the child, I had the child now for the next six months, what are you going to do? And all of a sudden, boom, courts open up, no, the, the judge is like, wait a minute, you kept your child from that other, no, done, exactly. back to you that one. You had no proof that they were exposed to corona, this is a person that wasn't even an essential worker, they were just at home and you refused, that's going to be a problem. And the court will usually um, do it over a period of time, say, okay, well, now he gets immediate visitation, get overnights, but then they have to consider does this child, has this child ever had overnights away from the primary caregiver? So they can't just uproot right away, but they will say, this is the course of action that we're taking. And then it's also designed to scare that person to say, these are going to be the visitation. If you don't at least adhere to those and you don't do a step-up plan, it's going to be worse for you. Mm. you know? And they'll try, I mean, sanctions and contempt is, you know, I have so many people come to me and say, they lied under oath or they didn't, um, you know, uphold the, the court orders. Can I just put them in contempt? It's... It, Contempt is an overused word. Nobody goes to jail anymore, especially in family court. Maybe in criminal, yeah, but in family court, people don't just get hauled off to jail if they don't do a visitation. They were watching too many shows. Exactly. Sometimes they will if they're not paying their child support. Um, but as far as just missing a visit or withholding, they're not just going to take them off in handcuffs. And that's usually what a parent wants. I want to hold them in contempt, and you know. How, and also, contempt is actually not that great for family because it proceeds, it, it uh, holds up the proceedings. You have to go to the criminal side. It's a long thing, and then you end up having to go to trial on it. You have to pay for that. So it's really mm. just it's really just about let's just get back on track. And, you know, and it goes back to the word we've been saying. Let's just mediate. You know, let's try to work this out without using court. That just seems normal to me. And it's hard, I know it's hard to say because I've been in relationships where, like, you know, you just hate the person. You don't want to see them. So I could see where it would be like, I'm not giving them anything. But, but you would just think from a monetary standpoint and just like a civil, st like, get, let's get on with our lives. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, look, dude, you know how much I have. I know how much we have in the council. Let's just split it up. Or, you know, based on what do you really need? Let's just talk it out. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And let's just get on. We'll save money. We'll save time. And we'll probably end up with more than if we kind of run yeah. this thing out. Yeah, and that's always so great. And the worst thing that can happen is when a jerk meets a jerk, meaning that a jerky client meets a jerky lawyer, and they oh come God. together, and they make a nightmare. I've had to tell lawyers before, you and I are not divorcing. 
why are you taking this so personal? Yeah. You know? And then there's also attorneys and law firms that they make their money off of litigation. So they don't really So care. they're trying to go to litigation. Yeah, they're not even pitching this mediation. It's, yeah, you want that? Let's go to trial. Yeah, I'll set you an evidentiary hearing. I'll depose them. I'll, I mean, imagine a deposition is when you have somebody come into your office, you have to have a court reporter, and it's a fishing expedition. So I could take eight hours, give you a lunch break and all that, just asking you everything under the sun to try to get to something because it doesn't have to be admissible in court. It's just, I mean, it can't be intrusive and it can't be to the point where you're harassing that person, but you can waste all of that time. But that's what a lot of these lawyers do just to run up fees. You can just live off of just one client, but imagine what you've done to your own client. I know that's, see, know? that's the thing. And that's why even in real estate, man, I tell my agents, I'm like, look, dude, there's no need to play super agent unless you run into another super agent that's trying to be all whatever. But for the most part, Call the agent. Don't be super agent. You're trying to get a deal. Everyone's trying to get the best deal for their buyer and the best deal for their seller. Like I say mm-hmm. the same thing. We'll probably get the best deal if we talk it out. Right. You talk to your client, what, what, like you said, what their standards are, their baseline is. I'll talk to my client. We'll kind of give and take a little bit. and that'll. But when you have super agents, like, I'm not doing this. I saw this. I, oh, my. It just makes the whole process ugly. And then they don't realize that you have another 30 days of transaction. And like you said, there's an after. Like, once this is over, you still have to see each other, share the kids, like, do all these <laughs> weird things. Like, why don't we be cool about this and keep it pushing? Um, so the, the theme of this show is there is a difference. So we kind of talked and brushed upon this lady. What do you think for your practice? I see you on the news almost every other day, it seems, not now because of what's happening. But I see you on the news all the time. There's a reason they keep calling upon you. What do you think the difference is between you um, and a lot of other family law attorneys? Well, I think also having empathy. So having empathy for them and saying that, you know, I know what they're going through. And as you know, knowing me for so many years, I share custody with my son. And so I don't have clients that say, you don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what it's like to go through. And this is how we can work it out. So I have that part. But then I think the thing that really makes it different is, is if we need to go to war, if you want to go to war. I'm your guy. You're, I'm your person, right? I can mediate for you, but I can also go to the courthouse and we can go to trial. Um, before I did family law, I did criminal defense. Mm-hmm. And I did it um, for, uh, I worked for Brian Watkins, and he had a lot of high-profile cases, and he's been to trial. And so under his tutelage, he really taught me how to be in court. I'm not afraid of it. And being in family law, I realize that sometimes that can cause a difference where you can really call other attorneys bluff and say, as much as I want to mediate, okay, well then let's just go to the mats on it. Then that's when you really you get see because they've never been on stage before. Yeah, yeah. And you know, presenting the case to a judge, you still have to keep their attention. You still have to be personable. You still have to be able to present your case with the facts and be able to have it organized. Where some lawyers can be great about writing you a motion, writing what we call mean lawyer letters, and all those things. But when those lights come on, it's like a deer in headlights. Or judges are great about cutting you off in the middle to say, well, great, Miss Arthur, but what about this? If you're married to a script, if you don't know how to be in court, that can throw your Well, we talked about off. that. Yeah. Like when you're sitting there just reading from a script versus you actually know your shit. Yeah. And you're up there and you're like, no, and you know it. You've been there. You get it. You've been on stage before. And like you said, like the people that we were talking about, because I see it in real estate, people will be doing videos and reading off a script word for word. I'm like, that doesn't, like you, you're reading something else you wrote. That means you don't really know it. I know. You're, and imagine an objection. Imagine if you're reading and the objection, Your Honor, they're, you know, whatever your objection is. And you're scrambling, like, okay, hold on. That's not, okay, yes. objection. And the judge well, will say, well, counsel, how do you respond? That's not in my script. Uh, you know? Recess, like, let me go. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So it's really, you have to be good on your feet and you have to know the rules of law. I mean, 
in coming into family law, I got a little thrown off at first when I would go to court because people would just say anything. I'm like, so we just don't do rules of evidence here? Or like, what's happening? Because it, um, in family law, you can represent yourself. So they have what they call pro pers. So I think judges get used to, and they give people leeway because they are not expected to know the law. And then attorneys will fall into that trap and just start saying stuff. So when I came in, at first I felt like, should I be, you know, nobody seems to be objecting. Objecting? Should I be objecting? And I realized, oh no, I should be. They just don't know. Know about it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm great about just keeping you on rules of evidence. If you haven't submitted something correctly, if you have, are you trying to admit something incorrectly, I'm all over it. And I'll try to get those objections in before we even start. So imagine if I gut your case before you can even say a word. Imagine I've seen you. Like <laughs> you gave me anxiety. I'm just going to tell you guys right now. One time she called me in as an expert witness for... And I was I almost left before I got to be a witness because I was so the way I was like if she's gonna go off on me like that I'm out of here I'm not dealing with any of this. That because was the, so fun because we had been such good friends and I don't even know if I was an attorney that long but I knew you knew your stuff I knew if I needed an expert I needed you to. Be but there. you were like I thought I was on a movie or something the other eight, the other attorney they didn't know what to do and you were like object we're doing and everyone's like wait wait what'd she say like they didn't know what to do and you just went into full blown attorney mode I was uncomfortable for a second. I'm like, oh my god! I hope. And I've actually oh. lightened up a little bit in that way because I was so criminal defense in that in that mindset of object, no, this and that. And even the judge would be like, okay, well, we need to at least. But get it caught everybody off guard. Like everyone's like, oh shit! Like, what do we do? Like they didn't know what to do. I even didn't know what to do. I almost like was like, am I under like? But it was good though because I was like, oh, she went right. Like you just like bing, like turned it on and went into it. And the other, I'm just I just remember watching. I was watching the other attorney and they were just kind of shook like they didn't know what to do you know what i mean and it obviously makes you look better so that's yeah. why i was i wanted it's all about looking good in front of your client because you can you can actually lose but if your client felt like yeah we lost on an issue that you know we weren't going to win on but she looked badass during it so it's like okay great that's a win and you're aggressive <laughs> and people want that like if you yeah. need to be that's the thing with you is you were very not gentle but you were very just cooperative doing but the minute they tried like attacking it in any way that's when you actually kicked in and turned yeah. into like I do feel like I catch attorneys off guard a little bit because I'm always, when I do those meet and confers, I'm always all smiles. Hey, how can we get this done? And we go to court and it's like, okay, that's a thing of the past. Now that you you decide to come here, now let's do it. Oh, you're switch. You have a switch. You definitely have a switch because <laughs> yeah. you're like always smiling, giggling. I mean, again, I've known her forever. She's one of my very, probably one of my best friends. Yeah. And you're like, you just you just flip the, sw flip the script on the quick, which yeah. is cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Hey, where if they want to get a hold of you, check you out. You guys, listen. I'm, uh, you guys know me. I bring on the best. If you guys ever have any type of questions, I've sent people to her that um, have questions on family law. I mean, if you're thinking about separating, which I don't, obviously, I'm not a big fan of. But if you do and you have those questions, definitely call up Deanne. What's your uh, What's your office number? Office number is six one nine five six four eight three eight six. Um, really great with email, especially in this Corona. So the office line is forwarded to my paralegal, so she gets all the calls. But email, I'm always on, which is Deanne, D-E-A-N-N-E, -E, at D-A-R-T-H-U-R-L-A-W.com, D-A-R-T-H-U-R-L-A-W.com, which is also my website, D-A-R-T-H-U-R-L-A-W.com, which has all of our contact information. And they can't come see you now, but your office is downtown. Yeah, and I do still do um, phone consultations all the time. And we didn't mention at the beginning, you guys, but she's her own. She has her own firm, so she has her own practice. Uh, law, the family law offices of uh, Deanne Arthur. Yeah. She has her own office, gorgeous office. Um, so if you guys have any questions, definitely reach out to her. I know that she's uh, she's will talk to you, and she'll give you real straight advice. And if it ever goes gets ugly, she can get ugly too. Not in a, <laughs> <laughs> not, not in a literal way. <laughs> not in a literal way. Yeah, but she can get get mm -hmm. after if she needs to. So thank you so much again for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. Cool.